You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. If you'll open your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 34 tonight, if you would please, let's look there, if you will. 2 Chronicles 34. I preach tonight about the lost book. The lost book. I've heard a lot of sermons from this particular passage, and I've preached a few myself, and it's always been one that stirs my heart, um, mainly because of the sadness of it, and praying with all my heart it would not be true of, uh, of our church, of other folks in our church here tonight. But uh, the lost book in 2 Chronicles 34, just a little reminder about last Sunday night, you've got a young man who came on the scene, Josiah, if you look in verse 1, he became the king of Judah uh, when he was eight years old. Now, you know and understand he didn't stand there and give all the guidelines and the structure for the kingdom. By himself, he had instructors, men of wisdom that were around him that were a blessing and a help to him. But when he became of age, that young man had a a real heart for the things of God. And even here in the early part, the first seven verses of the the, uh, chapter there, you will find where he is doing tremendous reforms in the land, getting rid of Balaam and, and all these altars and the groves where they would worship many kinds of gods that were out there. And this young man knew and understood there was one God and one alone. I trust and pray tonight we understand we have one and one only God, amen. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have a plethora or many gods that we bow down to. There's not a sun God, and we don't believe in pantheism, that God is just literally in everything around us. We don't believe that. Uh, God is God, and he inhabits his people. He does fill the universe without a doubt. But uh, young Josiah did some tremendous uh, reforms or brought about tremendous revival for Judah And Israel, whenever you hear me say Israel, at this point in Scripture, we're talking about the northern kingdom. The southern kingdom is now Judah. The northern kingdom has been known as Samaria, sometimes Ephraim. Um, But it's the sinful part of the nation that split off. And and Judah was that, those tribes that really tried to live for the Lord. So here we go. We've got young Josiah. He's growing up a little bit. We're going to find him about 26 years of age as we get into um, our verse here tonight. So kind of understand who we're talking about here and remember the background of what we just said, okay? Now look in verse 8 where we'll pick up with tonight's set of verses. We're going to go down to verse 19. Now in the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land, we just told you about that a few moments ago, and the house... He sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, and Maaseiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of of Joahaz, the recorder. Notice what their job was, to repair the house of the Lord his God. Uh, You can imagine back in that day, when you had all the wicked kings that they had, they weren't all that concerned about making sure the house of God was kept up, the very place where God would come down to worship with them. And so he's trying to take care of that problem so they can go and repair the house of God. Verse 9, and when they came to Hilkiah, the high priest, 
They delivered the money that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites that kept the doors had gathered of the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim and of all the remnant of Israel and of all Judah and Benjamin. And they returned to Jerusalem and they put it in the hand of the workmen that had the oversight of the house of the Lord. And they gave it to the workmen that wrought in the house of the Lord to repair and amend the house. So guys, here's some money. Uh, You see the job that needs to be done. Take this and spend it wisely and fix the house back up. Verse 11, even to the artificers and builders gave they it to buy hewn stone and timber for couplings and to floor the houses which the kings of Judah had destroyed. And the men did the work faithfully and the overseers of them were Jahath and Obadiah, the Levites of the sons of Merari and Zechariah and Meshullam of the sons of the Kohathites to set it forward and other of the Levites all that could skill of instruments of music. So basically they're letting you know the guys that were in charge of this task to make sure that it got done properly, that it wasn't just patched up, but it looks um, honoring to the king that they were trying to fix it up for. Verse 13, also they were over the bearers of burdens and were overseers overseers of all that wrought the work in any manner of service and of the Levites there were scribes and officers and porters now the plot really thickens as they say as you get into this next set of verses so please uh, notice this especially if you will and when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord Hilkiah the priest found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. And Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan. And Shaphan carried the book to the king and brought the king word back again, saying, all that was committed to thy servants, they do it. They're busy working on the building. They're trying to get the temple repaired and everything. And verse 17 And they have gathered together the money that was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered it into the hand of the overseers and to the hand of the workmen. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the law that he rent his clothes in total anguish fear he grabbed his robe and clothing and just literally ripped them in total anguish and fear at what might be coming their way because of what was read to him out of uh, the book many people believe it was the portion that he read was probably out of Deuteronomy and if you've ever read I'm sure you've read Deuteronomy but Deuteronomy chapters 28 29 I would challenge you to read those two chapters tonight it's the cursing and the blessing book Israel, if you'll do this, you can't believe how I will bless you. And there's numbers of verses where God says that. But if you don't obey me, and if you do decide to to, uh, disobey the word of the Lord and so forth, he names a long list of things that will happen to them if they disobey. We don't know that for sure. It's not stated if that's what it was. But somewhere along the way, when the word of God was read to the young king, 
Man, it stirred his heart. He saw what was coming their way. He knew that the hand of God and the judgment of God was coming, and it brought a lot of fear to him. We're going to stop there with that, and next week we'll try to work our way on down through this chapter. But with that tonight, can I just have a word of prayer and then share with you these thoughts here tonight? God, thank you for the privilege to preach your word once again. God, I never take it lightly, and I feel so inadequate to be able to share uh, this message tonight with concerning the Word of God. So I pray your Holy Spirit would do the ministering to the hearts of our people. May the anointing of God be upon me and bless and help in this message tonight. In Christ's name I pray, amen. So bearing in mind again one more time, young Josiah, his daddy was not a good influence on this young man's life. His daddy was a wicked man. His daddy went uh, uh, the ways of all of the wicked kings that had ruled prior to him. And so young Josiah probably had to look back into his ancestry, probably had some of the older men in his life that finally had got a little bit of influence in his life. And I, I really believe they probably did. I, I tell you, every time grandpa, <laughs> a proud grandpa, gets a chance to be around his grandkids, I love when they come running up and showing me, you know, things they can do. Uh, Papa, watch this. And, and they'll do some great feat, you know, they'll jump two feet or something. Like, wow, that's really good. Papa can only jump two inches. You are so good. And I always try to stop and say, where'd you get that strength? Who gave you that strength? Um, I don't know. Um, well, you know who gave that to you really, don't you? And they're like, yeah, God did. I love to point them back to God. I mean, every little chance Papa has a chance to get into the heart of those little grandkids, man, I'm trying to do that in a godly way. It's my shot at trying to help my children raise their kids in, in a godly way. I really believe Josiah had some godly heritage down the line that got into him, that had affected him, and he knew a lot about God and his word. But when the specifics of it were read to him that night, it flipped him upside down. He already had a tender heart for it. He already knew that you're supposed to honor God, and he was certainly doing that by wiping the land clean of all the filth and so forth. <clears throat> but now when he found out what God does to the people who turn from him, it's a huge deal to him. And that's uh, it's what I want to share with you tonight. So first of all, notice what was it that he found? He found the law of God. And how did it get lost? That's what I, that's what I want to uh, address tonight. Number one, how did God's, what they had as the Bible at that time, five books of the Bible, how in the world did it get lost? Who loses the Bible? I mean, there's so few copies of it back in that day. Although, some of the good kings of Judah, no doubt when they were spreading the word of God across the land and sending out their scribes and their... Um, uh, priests and Levites to try to teach the Word of God, no doubt they were having some of the copies of the Bible printed off possibly and, and trying to get them copied off for different people. I, I have no doubt about that, but they're so precious. How would you lose the law of God? How would you take something? Would it just be tossed aside and, and, uh, and nobody really took care of it? No, you wouldn't do that in that day. So this was apparently that book of the law that God had commanded Moses if you're familiar with the Old Testament books, to place in the side of the Ark of the Covenant. This book of the law was placed right there on the side, and, and many believe this was that exact, possibly that exact book. Now there were, like I've already been saying, 
There were a lot of corrupt kings and leaders prior to Josiah, and more than likely one of the high priests, now think about this, had probably taken the law, that book of the law, and hidden it from some wicked king. Because they were trying to wipe everything out that had to do with God. You name anything about Jehovah God, those wicked kings of Judah uh, and of Israel before them would wipe out uh, those people and anything to do with the Word of God. Possibly in many of the the, uh, books that go way back to this day that relate history and so forth, believe what happened was that one of the One of the priests, possibly a high priest, had taken it and had hid it. Matter of fact, tradition says one of the priests hid it under one of the loose pavements uh, inside the temple at that time, found a stone that was loose, picked it up, scooped some of the dirt out and so forth, put the law of God in there and covered it up, put that stone back over the, the top of it. And so while they were renovating the temple and noticing things that are loose here and there, They say that's how the book of the law was found. We don't know that for sure. What we do know, number one, the the Bible was lost in the temple. And uh, somehow, somebody found wherever it was. And those are the the two things that I need to, to bring out here at this point. So, how did it get lost? Really? How do you lose? And I, I mean, we find dozens of Bibles around here. How do we lose our Bibles here in church? Well, I leave them in the pew, leave them out on the tables, janitor takes them, puts them on the shelves, and then the lost and found and so forth. I'm not talking about losing a Bible like that. <clears throat> I'm talking about the, the law of God that was so precious to them, more precious than gold. How did they lose that? Uh, it got lost because of corruption that was in the land. I have already, already related how it probably happened. happened. Corruption spread from, um, from the kingdom all the way down to the lowly shepherds out in the field. Everybody was bowing down either at one of the groves or at one of the high places, and the moon would come out. They'd bow down to the moon. When the sun would come up, they'd bow down to the sun and worship those images in the heavens and carve out other images and make gods of Moloch where they offered their children. I mean, how in the world does that happen? But it did, and corruption got into the land. And these were definitely times when the kingdom of heaven was suffering violence in Jerusalem. And none suffered any worse than did God's word in that day. And those who truly remained true to the Bible in that day, they did so at the risk of their own life. So God's word basically went underground during times of wickedness. You didn't dare bring it out during the times when those men were trying to, you know, get this scourge of God out of the land. That's what they were trying to do. It would have, you would have done so at the cost of your own life. And if you remember, God's word is a light. And when men love darkness rather than light, it hurts their eyes. So they try to push it as far away from them as possible. You know what I'm talking about? You ever go into a backslidden state? All God's people say, amen. We all been there from time to time or you've lived a perfect Christian life since the day you got saved. But we've all been in that backslidden state, and you know when somebody's tried to take the Bible while you were backslidden and tried to show you something and maybe encourage you and tell you know what you're doing is wrong and so forth, how it just bothered you, and it really it was hurting the spiritual eyes because you were living in darkness at that time, or especially during the time before you got saved. Uh, my aunt, I had an aunt named Eddie, and uh, my pastor's name was Eddie. 
uh, that's, I just realized that, Eddie Bates, and my aunt's name was Eddie, um, E-T-T-I-E, and his name was E-D-D-I-E. Eddie Bates was the best soul winner I have ever met. And Eddie Bates came over to our house to visit one day, and my aunt happened to be there, and she was not saved. And Brother Bates always asked everybody before he would leave, uh, it was really nice to meet you, do you know the Lord as your Savior? And my aunt Eddie obviously said, no, I, I, don't, I don't know the Lord yet, but I'm sure one day I, I will. And man, it was on. Uh, I mean, the hound dog was after the rabbit or the coon or whatever it was, and uh, Boy, he was after her, and I still, as a little boy, remember my Aunt Eddie going all over the house trying to get away from Brother Bates, him with his Bible, and she's going all over the house, and he's trying to get to her. The Word of God was a blinding to her. It hurt her eyes. She lived in darkness, and that's the way these people sadly were. And to get rid of the Word of God, they shoved it out and did anything they could do to get rid of God's Word. Man, I'm so glad with all the wickedness we have in our land today, and we do. I'm so glad I can carry my Bible freely without a problem and that we can bring it to the house of God. I can go pretty much any place I want to go with the Word of God, pretty much. And I'm so glad the freedoms we have here in America. So how did it get lost? It got lost because of the corruption that was in the land. Something got into the heart of somebody. Probably most of those kings didn't even know God as, as, uh, as their Savior, as uh, Jehovah God to them. Uh, but in some cases, some of them were just backslidden and got away from God in His Word. So number two, here's a big thing to me. Where was it found? Think about this. Go back to verse 15. In verse 15 it says, And Hilkiah answered and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law, everybody see this next phrase, in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan. First of all, where did, where did they find it? They found it, amazingly, back in God's house. I mean, you would think if somebody wanted to truly find a copy of God's Word, you could have readily found it in the house of God. That should not have been a problem. You want to find the Bible? You go in the temple, not a problem. You'll find the Bible in the temple in numbers of places. Possibly, you would certainly think that. You would think that won't be a, a problem for the wise men to know exactly where a copy of the Word of God would have been. And the most obvious place, I would think, would be in the house of God. <clears throat> but these were sad days. And there it was, right in the house of God. Are you listening? And yet it was undetectable. It was in there, but nobody apparently knew that. I can't believe nobody made their way in and out of the temple from time to time, even though it was desecrated and, and in ill repair and so forth. And I, I can't believe that maybe somewhere, wherever the Bible was, somebody didn't just possibly run into that, surely. It's amazing to me that it was in the house of God and nobody knew it. By the way, how many of you have your Bibles with you tonight? Can you hold them up? Let's see your Bibles. Some of you holding your phones up. <laughs> Bible on the phone. Let's see those Bibles. Hold them way high. That's really good. Praise the Lord. Man, that looks so good. Take them down. We're going to jump ahead several thousand years now from Josiah and Hilkiah, that high priest. Every one of us, pretty much most of us, held up our Bibles tonight. So would you think it would be a safe statement tonight? To be able to say here at Eastside Baptist Church that the Bible is not lost 
in this house of God. You think that'd be a safe statement to make tonight? I just saw, oh, somewhere under a thousand Bibles here tonight. It was somewhere under a thousand, way under, but. So think about this for just a minute. Back in Josiah's day, what was the effect of the law of God being lost? With the word of God not being around, with it being, let's say it was under some cobblestone or some stone in the temple and tucked under there, and, or maybe it was in plain sight and nobody just remembered. That, that would be hard for me to really believe that, but let's just imagine that... Um, you know, the Word of God was there, and it was hidden, and uh, nobody could find it. Uh, and and question for you tonight, what was the effect of them not having the law of God? And I can just list some of those things for you. Without the Word of God being used, read, promoted, stirred in people's hearts, first of all, people weren't hearing God's Word being taught. If it's lost, it's not being taught to the people. Secondly, People stop being brought under conviction by the Word of God. I remember numbers of places in the Bible when God's Word was read to people. I remember them standing in the rain listening to the Word of God being read and weeping and crying, hearing about what God's law was saying, showing them how wrong they were. But in this day, with the Word of God being lost and nobody had the Bible, there was no conviction being stirred by the Word of God people would stop living by the law of God. Well, what would they live by then? Well, they would live by whatever they wanted to do. Men were doing that which was right in their own eyes. They came up with their own laws. Problems of uh, stealing and theft and murder and adulteries and all those things were rampant in that day because whatever the flesh wanted to do, they didn't have a Bible held up and being preached to them, so they were living their lives however they wanted to live their lives. They were even going back to the wicked ways of the heathen, again, building gods like Moloch, where you remember the big hollow god named Moloch, and his arms were outstretched, and they'd put fire down inside of him, build it up, and put those, their little babies on the arms of that god and let that little baby roll down into the mouth of that god and would offer their children to that small g god and hope that it was garnering the favor of uh, their little god. And now they're going to have uh, you know, maybe a good harvest now that we've offered up one of our very best to our small g god. That's what happens when you don't have the word of God. That's how those people began to live. And they, the Bible even says they didn't just start looking like the heathen around them. They started acting worse than the heathen around them. They went far beyond how bad the heathen were and really stirred up some real bad wickedness. So they stopped being brought under conviction by the Word of God. Consequently, people stopped living by the law of God. Therefore, the people started looking and talking and acting just like the heathen nations around them. You could not discern them from any of the other nations around them, basically whatsoever, outside of the fact that their driver's license might have said Jerusalem on it. <laughs> That's about the only way you could know that they were different from anybody else. That was a consequence of the law of God being lost. And here's what's so devastatingly sad to me. Here's where I, I hope you'll listen to me tonight. You can carry your Bibles with you to church, but not 
hear what God's Word is even saying to you. Can I say that again, everybody? Did you hear that tonight? All those Bibles that were just lifted up tonight, it just really did kind of stir my heart. I thought, man, I want to get a picture of all this. It looked really neat. But you can carry your Bible to church and yet cease from being brought under conviction from the Word of God. Would you agree with that? You can come to church and sit here in church and nod and listen and sing and enjoy the specials that are sung and so forth and the Word of God be preached to you and you're not even really, do you know what I mean when I say really hearing what the Bible is saying to you? You kind of go into this gaze and this stare. You know, the preacher will be done in about, ugh, 20 more minutes. Uh, or, uh, you know, the invitation is given. God stirs some people's hearts. You notice others may be coming to an altar, but you're untouched and you're unstirred. There's no conviction in your own heart. Do you know that you can carry your Bible and still not feel anything from God coming your way. You can have your Bibles in church with you, and yet you can stop living by the Word of God. That means that you can come to church like you did tonight, and all those Bibles that you waved here tonight, you can come to church and be a Bible carrier and not live your life according to the Word of God. That's very possible, and sadly, it goes on all the time. I don't know where you're at. I'm trusting every one of us are red hot for God and the Bible means everything to you. But it's possible, like it was in that day, the effect of them not having their Bible led them right off into what we come to know as the lack of conviction, not being stirred by God, not being taught by God, and they go right off into heathenism. I mean, guys, that can happen right here tonight. You can have your Bibles with you and not be stirred anymore by the Spirit of God. And you can walk out of here, go to work tomorrow, go home tomorrow night, and live your life the way you want to live your life that looks just like the rest of the world. And you carried your Bible with you to church on Sunday, all day on Sunday. That happens a lot. You can carry your Bibles with you to church and still start looking and talking and acting just like the lost people around you. I remember one of the men in our church coming up to me and saying, Pastor, pray for so-and-so. And I'm like, why? Well, I'm going back a lot of years now, 25 or more years ago, this gentleman come to me and says, well, and he mentioned this gentleman's name, and I, I still love this brother in Christ, but he said, and he comes to church on Sunday, and he's just, uh, he's just you know, one of those red-hot Christians. But I see him at work on Monday, and yet you can't believe what comes out of his mouth. He comes to church with his Bible, hears the messages, shakes hands with everybody back in the day. So here's what can happen. It's possible to carry what we call a Bible to church. And it simply becomes ink and paper, just like any other book in your house. It's possible to do that. I mean, we can carry it to church, the house of God, and yet never read it. And if we do read it, we don't obey it. I mean, that's possible to do that. We don't allow it to change our lives. Like I preached about this morning about the Word of God, you need to let the Word of God get a grip in your heart. I mean, when that happens, and it happens all the time, we have an effect. We've lost the Word of God in the house of God. You bring a book with you, and I know it has ink 
and paper and a cover on it, and most of them leather covers, and most of those, well, many of the ladies especially, like to put covers around the covers where you put all your old bulletins and pens and all those things. And you bring all those things to the house of God, and yet they are having absolutely, in some cases, it's possible that that Bible will have no effect on your life. And in, in fact, that's not even, in some cases, a Bible to you anymore. It's just any other book with ink and pages in it. <clears throat> the real question tonight is not, do you have your Bibles? I think the better question tonight is this, does your Bible have you? The question isn't, are you carrying paper and ink, but rather, are the teachings and the principles of that book carrying you? I mean, Satan has no fear of a Christian who all he ever does uh, is just carry his Bible around in church and then leave it in his car the rest of the week. That doesn't that bring any fear to the devil. But the Christian who Satan fears is the one who reads the book and bows down to the truths that are in that book. They begin to work in his heart. They've stopped skating over the Word of God. They paused over it and really listened to what God was saying to them. They allowed that Word to get into his heart and into his life, and it begins to stir him. I already got somebody coming to the altar here tonight in the form of a little round ball down here. Heavy conviction. Huh. I think what we need to remember and understand is hell isn't defeated by Bible-carrying Christians. Hell cannot prevail against a Christian who is living by what his Bible has said to his heart. So where was the book of the law found? Sadly, the lost book was found in the house of God. And what I would submit to us tonight is it's possible to have a book with you and yet have lost it in the house of God. Here it is, and yet the effect of it is zero on us. It hasn't changed a thing about my life for years. God has been showing me things about my life and brought conviction to me, and I've not done a thing about it. I've heard the Sunday school lessons from the Word of God. I've heard messages from the Word of God. And at the times I do open my Bible and read some things before I run off to work, I saw what it said, and I refused to let this book have an effect on my life. And the effect of that really is that you've lost your Bible. It's having no effect or an impact in your life. God help us to, and I'll bring back Sunday morning's message, God help us to get traction in the Word of God. Let it really begin to work in my heart and soul and change my life, not lose the effect of God's Word. Let me show you lastly, when was it found? So where was it found? It was found in the house of God. Number three, when was it found in verse 8? Can you go back there with me? We're in chapter 34 again. Drop back into verse 8. Now in the 18th year of his reign... When he had purged the land and the house, he sent Shaphan the son of Azaliah and Maaseiah the governor of the city and Joah the son of Joahaz the recorder to repair the house of, his, of the Lord his God. So it was found, guys, when God's people got serious about repairing the temple that was falling apart. That's when the word of God was found. They got serious about wanting God's house brought back into the right 
uh, perspective, to look proper for the God that was going to fill that place. I mean, Josiah looked at the very place where God was supposed to come in Shekinah glory and meet with his chosen people and saw that it was unfit for a God of heaven to inhabit. And it stirred him up. And when he got stirred to make the house of God look right, that's when they got busy and found the word of God. So he obtained those most skilled laborers and the most spiritually dedicated men in the land and he tasked them with repairing the temple with the money that had been collected from all the people. Guys, I want to get this house built back up. I want, it to, I want this to be a respectable looking place. By the way, if you're walking around and you see paper laying around and you're saying, man, you know, when's somebody ever going to pick that paper up? Well, I'd ask, when will you pick that up? This is the house of God. It ought to mean something to you. If you can do something to help keep the place looking nice and so forth, it's the house of God. And that's the way Josiah felt. I I want God's house to be respectable. And it was while those dedicated men were in the duty of repairing the temple, that's when they found the law of God. If I could just say this for us tonight in a practical sense, when God's people who are the temple of God those of us, when we get serious about fixing broken things in this temple, you know this is not a temple. You know this is not even the church. The church is sitting in the pews. When we get serious about fixing the temple, those things that are broken in our lives, you know what we're talking about. Things that are broken in your life, that's not right. Things that need to be dealt with. And when we get serious about fixing broken things in our lives, I'm here to tell you, uh, you'll not just find your Bible, your Bible will find you. It'll begin to stir your heart again. It'll cease being just that one pound wad of pages that you carry to church. It'll become a book that carries the weight of all of heaven to you again. It'll become serious to you again. It'll become a living fountain to your thirsty soul. When you're trying to get things right in your life, when you get serious about trying to get your life turned around for God, you'll find the treasure that was with you all along. You didn't just carry a book with you. Now it's something that's changing your life. You'll find that medicine cabinet that has exactly what you need to heal inside. We were talking about, uh, a couple of nights ago, we were talking about the medicines that we used to use. Does anybody here remember merthiolate? Do you know what merthiolate helped? Go ahead and say it. Everything. You got sick, you, you got a cut, you got an abrasion, you got something wrong. My mom and dad, or, or what was the other one? Tincture of iodine. Tincture of iodine. And, and which one of those you were orange for about three weeks. I forget which one it was, but man, that stuff would fix everything. Run to that medicine cabinet, mother, scrape my knee, up, you know, whatever it was in here, that stuff would come out, and then hydrogen peroxide, you know, that volcano coming up out of your, your finger. Man, that stuff fixed everything. You'll find the Word of God to be that which will fix everything in your life. When you let the Word of God become what it's supposed to be to you again, you'll find that joy that'll displace all the sadness and the sorrow in your heart. You'll find the godly courage to serve God as He wants you to, instead of being just so faint-hearted about trying to serve the Lord. You'll find out that this life really and truly is worth living.
So I would just ask tonight, and we'll wrap this up. If you looked in your own life tonight, I, I know I really tried to stress this this morning, but can I say it again? If you looked in your life tonight, is everybody still with me? Are there repairs that really need to be made inside? Are there things inside that are falling apart, the temple that needs to be repaired? It might just amaze you on your journey to get things right in your life that the Word of God becomes everything to you again that it needs to be. It won't be that boring book. It'll become a, a living, flaming book that will enlighten every part of your life. It'll give you guidance for circumstances you don't know what to do with. It'll help heal marriages. It'll help relationships with uh, one another. It just does so much for the Christian life. I would challenge you tonight, if there's something in your heart, something that you long to have fixed in your life, that you would come before God tonight and just say, Lord, I, I need some things repaired in the temple tonight. I need the Word of God to be for me what it ought to mean to me. I, I feel like I've lost the Word of God right here at the house of God. I've lost that fire. I've lost that desire to really burn for the things of God. I would just challenge you tonight to come before the Lord and say, God, I, I need to find the book again. I need to know that it burns in my heart and blesses every area of my life. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.